Good evening, good evening. It's that time once again to have another KG, Fifth Ward Wildcat and Doc podcast. Fellas, how are you doing? Doing well. Doing okay today. The day was a long day, but I'm a, I'm I'm bearing through it. I'm I'm a, I'm a trudge it along here and I'm gonna just get it done. Sun up to sun down. Yes, this is Doc. I'm doing well. Just went and saw a dissertation proposal early today. Uh, Prairie View A&M University. The gentleman that was presenting his proposal at the dissertation level did very well. So uh, I'm excited, happy for him, and uh, I threw out my little question and made a mention, and we move forward. Let's get right there. You said you are a doc. Doc of what? Who are you, sir? Yes, I'm Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, uh, professor of sport management. I do research on sport and the business side of sports. Also, obviously, have a huge interest and the study of HBCUs, particularly from the athletic business perspective. And so those are some of the things that I cover in my research side. And then on the practical side, working relationships, I cover both the business side of sport at all levels, as well as the interest of providing information on HBCUs and sports that take place, particularly with football, men's and women's basketball and baseball. Let's get right into it. I want to do things slightly out of order talk about uh, today's event and yesterday's events but <clears throat> locally Rice Owls men's basketball team announced actually Conference USA technically announced the Conference USA conference slate for their members today and uh, also the Rice Owls women's team announced their entire schedule for the 2014-2015 season. But Wildcat, I want to get your thoughts on the men's team. First, conference slate, 18 games, um, everybody nine, you know, home and home. So that, that's a good thing. Rice plays home and home contest against five league members, including, what, 14 teams in the conference? No. Yeah. <clears throat> so you don't, play, you don't play everybody twice, but you got 18-game conference schedule. <clears throat> And the men have the open up conference play on, on January 2nd. Got to get used to Texas San Antonio being in Conference USA. But uh, Friday, January, January 2nd is Road against runner. UTSA. Uh huh. I'll open up with uh, three home games on the conference slate UTSA, UTEP, then North Texas. And then going to road to play Old Dominion and Charlotte. Conference ch- championship will be in Birmingham March 11th through the 14th. March 14th is my birthday. Saw you ladies out there who listen to me. Like my voice. Keep that in mind. You know, you know what I mean? Something nice. March 14th. I thank you very much. He's looking. So Doc is ignoring me what I'm saying right there. You know? he's, he's, he's looking. <laughs> he's tired of being single. I didn't say, hey, hey. I didn't say that now. <laughs> don't, don't, don't. You had to go there. <laughs> you, had, you had to throw that out there now because I know a few. Never mind. Anyhow. <laughs> You better let, that's right. You better yeah, let yeah. You better but let yes, Conference USA, the Owls announced their conference schedule. Look forward to their the non-conference part of the schedule to be announced shortly. Women's side announced their schedule. And almost, Wildcat and Doc, almost the Rice Owls women play every Houston team, Houston area team. Almost. Who did they leave out? HBU. They play U of H. They play TSU. I think they yeah they they open the season at Tudor Fieldhouse November fourteenth against Prairie View. Mm-hmm. So they play 
PV, UV, and TSU, but no HBU. Oh, and, and the game against TSU is at TSU, December 22nd, and they play U of A at Hawfine. So, but they also play Texas A&M on the road in College Station. That's a beat down. Aggies are playing Rice and the U of H non-conference, bless their hearts. <laughs> so um, if I'm correct on that. But, yes, the Rice South women play, announced their 2014-2015 schedule. Uh, read a quote here quickly from uh, Coach Williams. Our non-conference schedule featuring seven teams that played in postseason last year will certainly prepare us for the always tough CUSA schedule. Playing Big 12 and SEC powers Texas and Texas A&M, along with crosstown rivals U of H and TSU, all on the road will definitely test our team. Those difficult road games will hopefully get us ready to open with three straight road games in CUSA and five of our first seven games away from Shooter Fieldhouse in conference play, which will be a major challenge for our team and staff. End quote. Wildcats, do you realize that Rice will have one, two, three, five seniors for senior day? Hmm. It's been a while since they've had that many. I mean, literally, it's been a while since they've had that many. So, and the senior day will be against UTEP once again. So, it's quite possible that the Yaws could use yeah. Could lose senior day to UTEP again, like they did because they lost uh, on Jessica Custer senior day this past season. Yeah. But once again, a conference USA championship. So the men and women uh, championships will be in Birmingham. So uh, same you know, March 11th to the 14th for the women. But want to get that out there so the Owls announced their schedule. So uh, keep that in mind. We can start marking our calendars down. And I, and I know I will definitely be at. At Tudor Fieldhouse for the Rice Prairie View game. Yes, Looking forward to that. Looking forward to um, Rice U of H. Looking forward to Rice and TSU. Personally, Rice could lose all three of those games. What do you think? On the men's side or women's side? Women's side. Rice could lose all three. Rice could lose the Prairie View. Yes. Rice could lose the U of H. Yes, and Rice could lose TSU. Yeah. Especially with it being on the road. Now keep in mind, we're saying all this. This this is August sixth, so injuries and academics and you know other things may factor into that. We'll change our mind come once the season begins. But I'm glad that to see that I was playing those teams. I'm slightly disappointed that I'm playing HBU, but I'm still hoping for a city classic of some some fa- form of fashion taking place between featuring HBU, U of H, TSU, Rice. And you want to mix in every once in a while, you know, other years, Prairie View. St. Thomas. St. Thomas, Sex I don't want to say St. Thomas because they're not Division One, And I know coaches I know coaches will, will shoot that down because of that fact right off the bat, because they're not Division One. So I don't, I don't want to give them any reason to to say no. So that, I mean, you can, yeah, and all you want, but, yeah, but you we know, know for a fact that coaches will say, well, they're not. They're going to want to That'll give a reason right there. Yeah, so Especially they, at a neutral site or not. So yeah, they they won't. I don't want to give them the opportunity to say no on that. But I agree that you can stick uh, Sam Houston State in that Greater Houston. Definitely. Every switching out with Prairie View, like you said, someone. But Lamar I, probably. Definitely, Bryce does play Lamar as well. So uh, and they're playing a lot of area schools. Just not. Oh, and they're playing Texas. You know, as as I mentioned, so they're playing. A, they've cut down on the on the travel. Heck, they're playing even in Boston also. You know, so even if Boston comes yeah. through the field house. Which is similar to what they do for the baseball classes, so I don't see why they couldn't make it work for the women's basketball. It's a great way to 
minimize expenses, you yeah. know, so and promote your school as well as other area schools to the high school talent you, that you're trying to recruit to get to come play for you. Keep some of those, keep some of that talent home. Gentlemen, Tuesday, the San Antonio Spurs hired Becky Hammond as an assistant coach. Wow. What were your initial, what were your thoughts when you heard the, the news? First of all, out of any team in the league to step forward and move in a, in a, in a new and different horizon and direction, San Antonio would be one. They'd be number one on my list. And I think it's just another part of where they're, the person that signs the check, people that are in charge to make a, a bold step. And I call it a bold, a big bold step only because it's the NBA, it's the men's league. You got a, one, a, female, a full-time female coach on the bench. Doc? Well, I think it didn't necessarily surprise me. Uh, but I, And I think that's a good thing when you look at all the perspectives that are going on. But I must admit that I think it intrigued me. I had kind of heard that she was going over there uh, to work with her on practice and things of that nature. But I think the NBA has showed over the short period of time, if not longer, that they are one of the most diverse leagues uh, in just about every aspect from the floor all the way up to management, even when you look at the commissioner's office with the second in charge being African-American uh, with the deputy commissioner. So, and you see a lot of it, uh, they were one of the first out there in terms of getting women to officiate and things of that nature. So, and the balance between basketball for men's and women's in regards to uh, coaching for a long period of time, men have crossed over, obviously, and coached on the women's side. And at the high school level, you've seen maybe a little bit of this, obviously, AAU circuits to some degree. You can see the interaction between men's and women's sports at the collegiate level. So it really didn't surprise me, but I was excited. I think it's a positive thing, a very strong uh, move. And as you alluded to, I think it makes sense that one of the programs that could do it was the San Antonio Spurs, with Coach Popovich being very solid in regards to where his place is in history with that organization, obviously. So I think it makes a lot of sense um, that he is the one that made it work. And then you had the uniqueness with having the WNBA team right there in their backyard that share a lot of things and a lot of interests. So he had a chance to really pick her brain, pick her brain and get her interest and saw that it would actually be a good fit. I want to so, say, say a couple of things. Excuse me, Doc. Um, right. As you touched on, uh, Becky Hammond did spend time at Spurs practices during the, the 2013-14 season once uh, her current WNBA coach spoke to, you know, with the Silver Stars, Dan Hughes, spoke to uh, Pop and other members of the Spurs organization that she was interested in, in coaching. So he, Pop invited her to practice, and, and uh, she interacted with the players, and they had no problem with it. They respect her. I like this quote that uh, Greg Popovich said to NBA Inside Stuff. I very much look forward to the addition of, of Becky Hammond to our staff. 
Having observed her working with our team this past season, I'm confident her basketball IQ, work ethic, and interpersonal skills will be a great benefit to the Spurs. That's what he said at, at the press conference. His quote to uh, Inside Stuff, I need to find this because this is, this is really, this is pop all the way. <clears throat> quote, she's been perfect. She knows when to talk and she knows when to shut up. That's as simple as you can put it. And a lot of people don't figure that out. She knows how to do it, and our players really respond to her. She's just a natural, end quote. And I know of two you guys. Know, that, that is that's beautiful co- in so many ways. <laughs> I know of two guys that, when they heard that, that's coaching on the, on the Division One level, when they got their high school jobs together, that is what the head coach told them from day one. Know when to and when not to. And when I say listen, you listen. Can you state that one more time? Because I believe that I'm going to incorporate that as I open the lecture to my course this semester. Sure. She knows when to talk and she knows when to shut up. That's as simple as you can put it. And a lot of people don't figure that out. Yeah, I might borrow that after I modify my syllabus for the semester. It is imperative in this course, during the lecture period of time, that you engage and provide your opinion. But you must know when to talk and when to shut up. You let us know when you use that <laughs> in your court. Because I, I want to know what the reaction is going to yes. be when, <laughs> when they hear that. A couple, a couple of things. There was some back and forth um, and some misinformation in the early releases about the Spurs hiring Becky Hammond saying she was the first woman to coach be on an NBA staff or work with the NBA team. Our colleague, yep. Yep. John Lucas, yep. hired Lisa Boyer in 2001-2002 season, worked with the Cleveland Cavaliers when Lucas head coach there. But she didn't travel with the team on the road, and she wasn't paid by the Cavs. She was paid by the Cleveland Rockers of the WNBA. So once again, a symbiotic relationship between the NBA and WNBA franchise even back then. Right. So that was... so. Becky Hammond is the first full-time salaried woman to receive the NBA salary as a head coach. She's not there, but Wildcats. Yep. And some of the stuff I have, I have, I don't even get all the details, but Becky Hammond played college ball where? At Colorado State. Coached by who? Uh, oh, Greg Williams. Thank you, sir. Thank you. That was his recruit. I contacted Coach Williams, who was on vacation. Back in the Colorado. And uh, he was kind enough to give me quotes. Because that's how I do things at the Houston Round Ball Review. <clears throat> Real quote. Well, well, first of all, and first, I appreciate Coach Williams taking the time to give me That's what I'm going to ask. Because <laughs> so, he no, goes on no vacation, doubt. he goes on vacation. And uh, he was kind enough to give me two quotes. So, And the second one, he let me know he was on vacation. So, Because he, he even felt bad that he took long in responding. To my request for the quote, you're on vacation now. <laughs> yeah, cause, give me a quote because so. we know when he goes on vacation, he goes on vacation. So just briefly, and this is in my blog post that I just put on uh, Houston Round Ball Review Women Women's Hoop blog. Quote: I didn't know at the time what her future aspirations were, but you see the basketball IQ, the competitive spirit, the desire to excel, the tremendous work ethic, which are all characteristics that transferred to her coaching career if she wanted it. Very happy for her. Very happy for and proud of her. 
She has been a fantastic player and was always a student of the game. Vicky has a very high basketball IQ, and I am confident she will be an outstanding coach now that her playing career is over. Her success will open more opportunities for female coaches to follow in the years ahead. End quote. Thoughts? I watched her play in college ball. Uh, matter of fact, the first time I saw her play was in the conference, the WAC conference tournament. An 8 o'clock game in the morning when the conference was 16 teams and it was playing out of one gym. And trust me, if you've gone all night at Vegas working and then go back to the hotel and go to sleep, get up in the morning and make a 7 o'clock call back to Houston to do 5 or 10 minutes on the night before the uh, wow. previous night's, uh, previous day's events. Uh, and then you get, know you got to get back up and be in the gym at, at 8 o'clock. You, you got to love this. You got to love this business. You got to love this business. You got to love the game. And I knew then, I was like, okay, this is different. You know, she was outsized. She had a composure about her. Once she was out on the floor, I'm just going to get this done. No matter, you know, what's in front of me, I'm going to get it done. She was always a good quote. Uh, didn't like to talk a lot, but when she did, she had something to say, even during timeouts. I watched that from across the way. But I knew she was going to be a player. It was just a matter of, you know, avoiding any serious injury. She was going to make the basketball was going to be a career. It was going to take her, take her place. Now, I think it's poignant with the statements that you just made and kind of all what we've heard and what we've stated. One of the big proponents that I like that I see in her is the fact that she had a plan. And she had Apparently dreams so. of what she wanted to do, and she executed that plan as best she could. And look where she is now and where she could go. I think that's a beautiful lesson for individuals out there in all walks of life. And she was not drafted in the WNBA. She was a free agent. Because yeah. of size. Folks said she was too short. Wildcat, she also played, spent time in the NWBL, the National Women's Basketball League, Spring League. Yep. Remember uh, the Colorado franchi- franchise, and they came to Houston, played at Houston Stealth when I was part of the PR for the Stealth. So I remember her times here as well. So we go back a long way. Yep. Ooh, Becky Hammond. So congrats to her, and wish her good luck with the Spurs. Spurs just continue to do things the right way. And um, they just say just so far ahead of everybody else in the league as far as making sitting trends. I put it to you like that. Yeah, they're, they're trailblazers. Yeah, a lot of that is just, as I said, executing their business plan, which is a very solid, and it says a lot from the consistency they have been able to build that franchise and the winning ways, which includes obviously winning at the highest level with championships. And folks can't say anything to knock them about that, other than they hadn't done the back-to-back yet. And that's still correct. That's, that's correct. Well, but, they, have, they have this year now. Well, yes. Yeah. They changed it. But now, to their, to, their, to their credit, they've got all that done. And what has wait, been... Wait, wait, wait. What now? What are you saying now? Back, back to back? Do they have a chance to do it this year? Oh, have a chance to do it this year. Okay. Well, they're going to, but yeah, they have a chance. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, no chips on the table early. You know, because they, they've got all this done. Who you and have? what the, what uh, the 
the media said that it's a small market. But they figured it all out. It works for them. It's, it's, it's almost truly an international type environment and city. San Antonio offers a lot of things to a lot of people. Yeah, and, and it's yeah. centrally located to pretty much anywhere in the state within driving, within a reasonable amount of, of driving distance. And then it's located in the country to, to, yeah, as far as the hub. Yeah. So, my, uh, kudos to them. Yeah. They just find a way to, they just, like I, I said, they say just say find a way to get it, 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 to get it done. And moving forward with NC2A women's basketball, Division One women's basketball, uh, a strategy, rule strategy meet, a session was, is being held had been held this week um, in Irving, Texas. Recommendations for experimental rule changes, including widening the lane to 16 feet, increasing the three-point line to 22 feet, and utilizing four 10-minute quarters instead of two halves. Additionally, then this is where I kind of like fall off the map because I just don't deal with it on an uh, old-fashioned mental level, allowing bands or electronic music to be played during certain dead ball situations to en enhance the atmosphere. If I want to listen to and one and hip-hop, I'll go to the club. Or I'll watch street ball. Don't, they, I, they, they, they didn't don't say that kind of music. Hip-hop? They didn't say I, that kind of music? You know, I, 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 I because when I go to games, now, I'm not saying that the rap game right now. Nah, but doing a basketball, the but, but, form, but to there's the, a lot of good hip hop out there. But to the basketball games and all, you know, when they got these these celebrity games, Chuck D and his new no doubt, yes sir. <laughs> I, and, and they and folks, they kept this to themselves. They had sent me out the email that did out of out of link to the video. Oh, okay. I mean, I didn't, you don't appreciate hip hop. You know, I, I would. Well, oh, then I'll I, go I, and I say this too. Chuck D retweeted my tweet about the video that I like watching him and Mavis Staples. Yes, Chuck and, D, the icon, that, Chuck Mavis, D. That's right, Mavis Staples, a public enemy, Mavis Staples. Number one, probably the what? reason is the reason I want to. I want to hear. I want to see it. I will admit You'll like it too. You'll like it. But getting back to what uh, the committee wants to they're, wants they're to do, um, implementing four quarter. Ten minutes. Uh, they are four quarters. Twenty minutes working. I mean, it's 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 finding a way to work even on the women's side and all to get things done. The ten minutes it changes uh, the timeout situation, and it also changes the um, the runs and streaks and all in the so women's basketball game. Are you against it or for it? I can't tell. Uh, I'm it against. Looks like you have some concerns. Right? I got I got I got I got concerns about it. It's, okay. It's, only because Let's get it, it on the record. It changes the ebb and flow of the game for me on a, on a women's basketball. I did, I've accepted it for what it is on the college level. Twenty minutes the, on both the men's and, the men's and women's, and it works for me. I, I going back to a four quarter, ten minutes play. I just to me it just it doesn't mean it didn't have the same structure, you know, because I on you the pro level. Start calling you old school. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I don't have a problem with that. I don't have a problem with that. 
because yeah, I just like what I like. I, I like what I like. It's a lot you know, eight minute quarters and, and, and I on think you're actually level. making great arguments for that. The because only thing it, I will it, say it, it, it just against, that, uh, against that is from a standpoint is in every other way, college basketball is like the professional level, particularly on the men's side and a lot more on the women's side now. And just about every other level, you play four cups, four quarters. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. why, including is, including international. Yes, and below. So, High school, yep. So why does college have this magic notion that it needs to be different? And I give you that there will be some concerns of the flow. Yeah. But uh, since it's a business, it provides them with another time that they can say sell some more commercials. Hopefully the players will get a piece of it just before too long. But that's another discussion. But I'll have to put it. Yeah, in we we won't, we won't hit to that later. Uh, that's a nice way to say it. The segue into that. Uh, and as, and this is my final comment on this. You know, it's a, it's, one, it's a group. Of, you know, they identified focal points that they want to drive in the discussion of uh, rule changes. KG, do you think it'll create some some parity among the programs, or will it be uh, foster uh, public uh, positive or, or negative? And see, that's one of the things later on in the release. I don't believe it's been posted on the NCA.com or NCA.org website yet. But one of the things mentioned, I gotta find it in here, but there were recommendations by a lot of different, uh, representatives of women's basketball from Congress commissioners, officials, head coaches, etc. All were there, part of these, this two day summit, basically. But one of the things is they want to try to have parity, basically. I'm trying to kind of curious to see how they hopefully hope to implement that. Because who's gonna stop the train? Exactly, and at that the, train being UCOM. And at the end of the day, that's what you got to look at. On I, th- when, I don't think the only way you're going to be able to somewhat slow down UConn is you're gonna have to do a distribution of the scholarships. Because you have to limit the scholarships. Yeah, you know. More parity among the programs. One, one of the problems is Tennessee is is not Tennessee. Yeah, that's Tennessee is back in the Final Four. You got Tennessee, UConn, probably not playing head to head during the regular season. Although little whiffs of white smoke come out every so often about that, that re- we, having a reunion. Sometimes I mention like we need to get this, you know. Resolved and, but you and stop playing. Tennessee because they are the other icon of women's basketball, women's college basketball. Tennessee right. and UConn. You get Tennessee back on the elite level, then that'll help with the perception that the talent is spread out. Even yeah. though Don Staley at South Carolina has put together a tremendous, she laid a tremendous foundation for her program and got elite players now at as they will say, the USC, sorry, Coop, <clears throat> and Southern Cal. But South Carolina is building up. Stanford is Stanford. Stanford got the West Coast on lock. But until Texas A&M won national championship, Notre Dame is now, has replaced Tennessee as the second it team. But even they don't have, the, they don't carry the cachet as Tennessee does in the eyes of the general public. 
Right, and that's why I said the only way that you can change this, you have the one train, and you have a lot of other superpowers, if you would, right below that, maybe inside the top ten, but outside of that, you know, it starts to go down. So the only way that you're going to be able to manufacture this, if you truly want it to happen, is you're going to have to change the scholarship limit. You do something similar to what they did in baseball, which is at the 11 point. Six, which is 11.7 ruling, which is still odd to a lot of people out there that follow. How do you have a point something in terms of scholarship? But one of the reasons baseball, in a lot of ways, is more competitive uh, is the fact that you lower the scholarship limits so you spread out the talent. So even the money that you have to build your program to market it doesn't really displace what you're able to do with the talent that is spread out. So Women's basketball, they offer actually more scholarships than they're allowed to do 15, on the men's yeah, side. Full 15. Versus the 13s. So, again, you see on the men's side, you still have your biggest brands, but it is still a little more proportionate in the terms of the talent. And a lot of that is because you spread the talent. The more you reduce that number, the more you're going to dissipate that talent on the team. And so it becomes harder to dominate at that level. So if they want to do it strategically, uh, that would be the way to get it done, in my opinion. I know there's some concerns because then you talk about Title Nine issues. How yeah. does it reflect on the big behemoth in terms of football? So again, that's the problem you have with college is they're trying to decide whether they want to lean on a business model, do what's right for the game, or do you want to do again what's best in terms of some of the governing bylaws? Even though some people will question directly what is Title Nine, it doesn't mean equal uh, per se. It means that you have to provide the opportunity. But they lead on the misinterpretation of it. One thing I would like to add to that is there was an issue that I read and, and shared with you all off before off the mic prior to our uh, conversation that we have in here, and it was in regards to soccer. And soccer is having a huge platform at the collegiate level, and there's some questions in terms: of does the college model best benefit the national soccer? program, whether it's MLS or the national team, in terms of preparedness and providing a synergy in terms of growing the interest of soccer, especially after we see what just took place with the World Cup and how right. everybody galvanized it. So soccer was generally played in the winter uh, part of the season. Now they're looking at spreading it out, playing it both in the fall and in the spring and having a championship in the spring which would align it more with lacrosse so they could take advantage of that gotcha, gotcha. Memorial Weekend, which is a, a marketing strategy for it. It also allows players to go down and play at the what they would basically your Division three level right. or AAA, a uh, better word to use in terms of soccer, PSL, playing at that level uh, where they will take college students. They don't play them, so they won't lose their – uh, eligibility, which I don't necessarily agree with, but it's whole, again a different discussion that we will share maybe a little more when we talk about autonomy. But with that framework, I think those are questions that the NCA is going to have to answer if they're serious. And more importantly, the national team, as and baseball has a lot of this to deal with too in terms of trying to strengthen thing their game in regards to minorities and how it's not played at the high school level, but these are all structural decisions that you'll need to see with the importance of sports in this country about how it moves on 
from the professional level all the way down through college and at the secondary level and even junior level AAU and grassroots level as you said in terms of the formation of the game whether you're going to look at practical application business model collegiate model if you want to use that terminology or amateur model in terms of or some mixture hybrid of that one of the other discussions that was impl- uh, about implement- implementation was a national women's basketball media day that the format would bring together coaches, student athletes, officials, administrators, and media partners at one setting. Our participants could be located in multiple sites. Mostly, they didn't actually say it in the uh, uh, in the uh, newsletter, but I would imagine they would be talking about like in in a regional type manner, where you would uh, certain amount of teams on the west, midwest, south, east. And all, everything would be all held one day, but it would be held in a regional manner because trying to get, to me, trying to get a national media day in one location, um, that, I just can't see that happening. Only just, because, it's just seen, that just, you know, it's, it's, because basically you're looking at a, at, at, a, at, a one, at a, at a two day difficult. final four type situation where it's just a cattle call environment for to get an interview. Yeah, unless you're having some all yeah, that's gonna be difficult. Um, but the reasonable thing I think it can it's work. a noble idea about that need to talk to our our friends and contacts about how they what they're thinking and thought process behind that. <clears throat> but sliding on into and we are going to talk about Paul George, the injury in USC basketball and all that. Trust and believe because I got some thoughts on that as I <clears throat> we will get to wrote football. My bat- basketball. Very uh, bat- good article. Very Thank good you, sir. Article. I appreciate it. But August 7th is the vote, the NCAA vote to vote on autonomy for the Power Five conferences. Big day. We've talked about this, and let me just. We're going to conclude. Well, you just. Football. You, you be. Still a big day. You be able to the punch. It'll be in black and white, and it'll be in, in the books and all. Because here's a quote from the East Carolina athletic director, Jeff Comper. Quote. It's a fait accompli. As a part of the American conference, we have to adjust to it. <clears throat> so he's yeah, already he's that, already like yeah. saying, yeah, like Doc, you just said, like we, it's we, gonna we, happen. We just got bent over and we got screwed. That's you know, kind of. And this and this is lose. after our lively podcast of our last podcast where the, the American commissioner and the members seem to have some stones, and we're finally at so many. Things they had questioned that they wanted to see, and now for him, this athletic director to say from a member school to say it's a fait accompli, it's not already going to happen, it's a done deal. That's sad. But as we talked about, Doc, once again, let's go for the new listeners, enlighten them on what the autonomy for the Big Five. Now, how we, how do, in a short term, how do we get to this point? Actually, um, I think once this vote takes place, that there's going to be a lot more questions than answers. But the basic framework to the autonomy of the Big Five, which happens to be the SEC, the ACC, the Big Ten, the Big 12, and the Pac-12, in regards to those five conferences that play football, that was the, or is the FBS level, the football bowl subdivision. So financially, what this does, it allows them to have a windfall in terms of about 80%, almost 
he's even cracking a little more in terms of the financial windfalls that operate from the television money to even the championship money. It locks them in in a lot of ways to control that even more so. But some of the things that they were looking for is to have more control in terms of operational perspectives. Some of that came in the form of them wanting to, some of the stuff that has been out there that many people have heard uh, or disturbed some people in terms of having the power to feed students as much as they wanted to. There's some scenarios where they want to be able to provide a cost of living stipend, and they're very careful in terms of words they use, uh, not paying them, but paying them a cost of living stipend, which has been on the studies for over 10 years now that the scholarship did not cover what it actually cost. Full cost of attendance. To go to school, and that's why they want to call it the cost of attendance or the full cost of attendance in terms of the stipend to close that gap. But there's some questions about how they're going to do that. And what's important here is, and people may not realize that, you're just coming off the court case that will be decided pretty soon in regards to should students have the ability to make money off their likeness. But even a more important part of that is some of the debate in regards to the cartelism, if you would, um, from the Big Five. Well, a unique part of the conversation that came out of the court case is that there are some ways that the Big Five or other organizations, if they wanted to do it within the uh, collegiate NCA model, that could actually collude on some issues uh, as long as they were not lockstep in everything they did. For example, the SEC could make some rules on terms of how they provide stipends. And if they don't get in a closed room with the other four conferences and decide to do it the same way, then it could test stand the test of some of the controversial legal frameworks of what's supposedly a good cartel and a non-good cartel if you allow them to use that framework. So that's why I said there's probably going to be a lot more question in regards to the beginning of the debate of autonomy, if not only within the framework of those big five. Because essentially what that ruling states is that they cannot get together and decide to do everything the same way. But how do you make, as those five are doing that, that they do it where all the five vote the three-fourths rule that allows legislation to take place? How do they do that and still create a symbolism that they all feel that they're playing on the same fair ground? And that's what's going to be interesting as this continues to move forward. Outside of that, you have the next five, if you would, that they prefer to use in terms of that, or the five outside of that, whatever term you want to do that, that suits you best. I, I'm happy to oblige you, but you're really outside looking in the way I see it, and you did that with your vote. Now they got to decide how they're going to operate. In these conferences, many of them said they're going to try to step up and finance it in some way. And then, obviously, the other part of the Division One are those programs that offer, offer football at the FCS level. Some of those are scholarships. Some of them are non-scholarships mm-hmm. or low scholarships. Yeah. In regards to that, and finally you have those Division One schools that don't even have football. That's all 300 some schools that make up this Division One autonomy, uh, a, a Division One that's going to vote on this autonomy component. So that's the framework that's at work here. I think it's going to be interesting um, as we move forward, and that's some of the things that I'm looking forward to. And as you said, this basically vote is going forward. But where it really is going to get interesting is to see exactly 
how are the big five going to work together without looking like they're really working together? Yes. As a conglomerate? <laughs> as, as a as conglomerate. A cartel. <laughs> as a, no, I'm, I'm going to go with the conglomerate. The cartel sounds a little, it, it makes everybody feel kind of dirty a little bit. That's good. <laughs> It'll make me feel dirty. The truth is the truth. Folks, now I'm trying to the truth I, hurts, say ouch. You keep you know, going. Make a bath. You know, because a conglomerate says, uh, Pretty much, you know, it's, 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 we the big, we the big business, and you all just, you know, y'all working for us, no matter what. And uh, when we decide to to do what we want to do, you know, not pay taxes as it, as they used to do back in the day, uh, and just buy up everything, you know, like how these big companies and all got. This. They need to hire you as a spokesperson. Oh, now come on, now. I, no, just, that's right. Just make them pay you. <laughs> They need to pay some other people. They ain't well, paying, that is, no, that's they true, not man. paying the college athletes. Well, that's true. That's they can true. They afford to pay other folks. You know. Now, uh, speaking of, when Interesting will, you say uh, that, uh, uh, when will the O'Banion situation get? get uh, uh, she should rule over that maybe the next two weeks. I think so, yeah. Sometime this month. And that's going to be, when that happens right after this, all the dominoes from the person that, and I'm holding on it. It's not finished yet. This is going to be a well, long I, Okay, I, I know. You also I, have the issue coming out with, uh, sometime we should get some closure on the Northwestern uh, issue okay. in terms of what they voted on and how to the appellate report is going to rule. To not unionize. Yeah, to unionize to not or not unionize. Not and they did basically vote yeah. not to it. You can tell it's out there. They got pushed in that direction. But still, the appellate court is going to be interesting to see how it goes because it gives a case study and a landmark to see if you can get some other organizations to do it and move forward on it. One other thing that I thought was interesting is kind of in this framework before we uh, maybe move forward, uh, you might have some thoughts on this. I thought this was interesting, and this is coming from an individual uh, that can really say this, feel safe about where he is, and you can tell he's quite honest about it. But I thought it was interesting to hear this framework. This is coming from Bill Snyder. As you all know, that's from oh, yeah. Kansas State. Yeah. Football coach. Uh, he was at a living legend. meeting. Living legend. Brought that program literally from nothing. Twice. To something. Not once, but twice. Getting it done. And this is what he said. Bill Snyder. This is quote coming out of the USA Today Sports. AP Waiver Wire, Manhattan, Kansas. Bill Snyder ripped the big time nature of college athletics. As Kansas State opened fall camp Wednesday, lamenting the way universities have, quote, unquote, sold out in search of the almighty daughter. We noticed, but it's interesting for somebody internally making a statement as a lot of people, writers like ourselves, journalists like ourselves, radio hosts like ourselves, um, have researchers like ourselves have stated this. And now you have a coach going on record and making a uh, statement. And so, it's going to be interesting to see how the athletic directors, to some degree the president, and obviously the NCAA at the presidential level, how they're going to do this. Because I, I was interested to see, if you notice lately, some of the coaches at the beginning of this, uh, particularly out of the SEC, were saying that they believe the athletes should financially uh, get some money. And some of them were even talking about paying them the good ball. The old ball coach. The old ball coach in South Carolina, previously of Florida said it himself. So frameworks here are interesting and let me finish up with this before we move on. But I want to get this on the record for those listeners that may have not come across this yet. Steve Spurrier who, who we're talking about. Yes. For those that may not recognize the old ball coach. 
During a lengthy oratory in which the 74-year-old coach planned to discuss the upcoming season, he kind of went in a different direction. He argued that TV has assumed too much control of college sports, education has become second thought, and that the entire endeavor, quote, distorts the value of young people. Oh, that's huge. Quote, it's changed. I mean, college athletics, football in particular, has changed dramatically over the years, end quote, Snyder said. Quote, I think we've sold out. We're all about dollars and cents, and that is cents in terms of financial money, not dollars and cents as I use in terms of the thinking part and one of the frameworks I use for the HBU uh, report that I do. It looks at the business side of sports. He also says we're all about that dollars and cents. The concept of college football, football no longer has any bearing on the quality of the person the quality of the student, universities are selling themselves out. I think that's deep and detailed. And obviously, you know, I agree with that. We're probably throwing voice to the wind. A lot of people know that, but I'm not sure if they even care anymore. And that's why I think the debate in terms of paying athletes uh, at the collegiate level is going to come to a serious uh, component. If not by the law forcing it, but just by general the public changing kind of their opinions about it. So it'll be interesting. And maybe we have some listeners out there that can uh, state their opinion on Facebook and give us their framework, and maybe we can discuss a little later. Or if they do it uh, now, well, Twitter or what have you. Yes, that's a good segue, Doc. Ralph would be proud of you as you're doing all these wonderful things. <laughs> you mentioned, our, you mentioned our, our Facebook page that we have for the KG Fifth Ward Wildcat Doc. That's on Facebook. We have Twitter. What is your Twitter handle, sir? Yes. Uh, in terms of the social media platforms, you can find me at Dr. Kenyatta Cavill. That's D-R-K-E-N-Y-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. Again, it's D-R-K-E-N-Y-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. And that is on Twitter, Instagram, as well as Facebook. And don't be shy. And you can find tweeting me also us, people. Uh, uh, from my business platform if you want to look at that you can go to linkedin as well well can like folks find you on the social media platform social media platform you find me at facebook and twitter tweet deck uh jl woodley one uh at blogger blogspot and youtube the college sports report um also uh, now Hold that thought. I'm not sure where you're going because I want to keep no, going on, on the yeah. NCAA. Go ahead. Go, go ahead. I'm uh, cause I didn't know about this. It, it happened today. But I am KG of Houston Round Bar Review. My Twitter uh, account name is T-H-E-H-R Review. Houston Round Bar Review on Instagram and YouTube. Website is HoustonRoundBallReview.com as well as VHRR.com. Today in New York. The Big 12 hosted a State of College Athletics Forum. Now, why would they go to New York? To hop, skip, and jump to go from there to India, I guess, for tomorrow, for August 7th vote on autonomy. But Joe Shad was one of the people <laughs> uh, who was attended. He's a ESPN, works for ESPN. He put out some interesting tweets in the last few hours. I'm going to read some of them. Real quick, gentlemen, before you get talk about Paul George and USA Basketball and international competition. Big 12's Bob Bowlesby says he's not sure it's the responsibility of the power conferences to fund all the other conferences. 
You knew that was gonna happen. And West Virginia's Oliver Luck says power concentration won't prevent a Ben Roethlisberger from still going to Miami of Ohio. Bob Bowlesby says NCAA reform is not a professionalism of college sports. Because he said so. Mm -hmm. Steve Patterson, according to Joe Shad, says, why should you share when they're not generating? Well, I would say that's atypical. Kenneth Starr of Baylor says, it's a problem if players miss class or practice or games. So Joe adds, Joe Shad adds, um, go tell that to your coaches. <laughs> well, touche, Joe, touche. Uh, let's see. If Marcus Mariota is paid now for appearing in a, in a Nike ad in ESPN magazine, does that destroy the amateur model? Joe Shad once again on Twitter. Uh, Steve Patterson said a Texas scholarship puts an athlete in the top third of household income in the United States. What the hell does that mean? Top third? That's what Steve Patterson said. It means that we have a lot of poor people in this country. Thank you. Oliver Luck says he has a lot of respect for name, image, and likeness, and a person should be compensated for its use. Hmm. Luck says there should be a way to allow for name, image, lines, profit. Hmm. Joe adds he thinks some commissioners and ADs are realizing there is no harm if a player profits like most Americans are allowed. This is all at today's State of College Athletics Forum in New York City, held by the Big 12. Bowlesby says if certain donor interests can be managed, he is okay with players making money off their name, image, and likeness. There you go. See that? Now that, that right there, that, that, that just chased me right there. Because there's no way you can, no way. The three of us sitting in this room know that there's no way you can control an, a, a, cra a crazy booster. Yes, you can. To what extent? Same way you try to control them now. Just because you Remember that word. You said one word. You said that one word. Try. Right. So it doesn't stop them from doing what they're doing now. So you telling me with all these smart individuals we have out here, we can't create some guidelines and see if people would follow it? They got guidelines now. Right. So that is exactly my point. So you're saying because the guidelines now may not have worked as well as they should, that we're not going to allow students that have earned the right and can have generate revenue that we shouldn't allow. That's ridiculous to me in regards to the framework that we're going to prevent somebody from earning something because we can't control how they're going to earn it. So they're already mm -hmm. defeating themselves before they even tried to, to make. Absolutely. Yeah. To see if there's a resolution. Absolutely. Chad also adds, Alva Luck sees no reason. Geno Smith, quarterback, when Luck was ADA West Virginia, should not have profited from a Nike, Coke, or WVU hospital ad while in school. Interesting. Steve Patterson is worried agents will try to broker a deal with a competing they apparel company now. and exactly. say it's players benefiting already. Right. Pretty much. So it. all I'm saying, everything he puts out there is an excuse and it's a roadblock to try to get individuals like you were going to do it first, and now you just spun it perfectly and said it happens now. So what's the big deal? Right. And you're exactly right. And he is very good. I mean, he's a lawyer, Patterson. They they train to do this kind of thing is to throw out what seems like endless roadblocks and mountains, what 
other people would say molehills really making a mountain out of molehills because you can't control it. But it's simple. You create legislative frameworks like you do everything else. And if you really wanted to stop, what you do is you penalize people in such a way that if they do something against the rules, that it hurts them to the framework that they will no longer want to do it. You shut some problems down, you'll change it. But the problem is, is they want their cake and the ice cream too. And fundamentally, the laws of this land and people are no longer, as more we become educated and get the information, they can no longer pull the wolves over most people's eyes. And people just don't see it. And it's like you have coaches quoting as we talked about here. You have another quote that he said, our professors have an office. I have an office I can swim in. They're in a cubby hole somewhere. And so what are you talking about the value of education, which you're trying to say with APRs, which is a whole different issue in regards to what that is doing to HBCUs in a whole different framework, the deprivation of allocation of resources, which chafes me more than anything. But to bring this full circle. You got to chafe? Yeah. From that component. Uh, really pisses me off when you look at just the exploitative nature of what is taking place. Speaking of exploitation, let's talk about, at least from one person's perspective, Paul George's gruesome injury, compound fracture, compound fracture of his leg Friday in USA Basketball intra-squad scrimmage. Folks, Mark Cuban. Mark Cuban's problem with the injury or with the whole USA FIBA Basketball, NBA, FIBA, IOC issue is that the NBA is not getting a cut of the money. Well, That's his issue. I told somebody, I mentioned in a conversation, the next CBA is going to be real interesting. Because I, I think I figure the owners are going to figure out a way to get compensated during that during that contract. They're going fi- to figure a way to how to finagle some kind of funding out of that, putting it in their pocket with these guys playing during the offseason. They're not going to be much concerned about them, you know, pickup game or whatever. It's when they're out on those ventures going overseas with those names on the back and, they're, and the NBA is spouting their, the, 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 uh, the the pro the NBA the player the uniform the teams and all back here the 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 owners want their piece of the pie right and they're right. gonna figure out a way right and I think they will try to figure out a way but I think the owners need to be very careful in regards as as we see with social media platforms and don't want to make this a political issue but in regards to what's going on but and, and listen to me in terms of what's going on with the war right now. When you look at Israel and Palestine and how social media has changed the landscape of how the news has reported that initially and how it's changing. And the reason I bring that up is for no other factor that people are a lot more savvy in terms of getting their information. And you can talk about as an owner from the framework of what you want to do and people will celebrate that. But you're going to start talking about you're going to take away U.S. and what a lot of people celebrate in terms of Olympics from that framework of celebrating the country and you want it from a financial state, you're going to have a lot of people start to say, okay, owners, you want to do this. Well, won't we make sure that you pay for your arena instead of working with the public since you are all about business and we understand that and you're you're doing this. I think you have to be careful in terms of screaming in terms of the financial dollar 
without people starting to understand that you have a lot of luxuries that a lot of the public in terms of Americans in general don't get with your tax breaks, uh, with your nonprofit setting in terms of the ruling. The NFL just uh, put out some information in terms of their nonprofit status and they went back. And one of the ways they were able to get this was the framework that they wouldn't play games on Friday and Saturday for high school and college. Well, look how that landscape is changing now with games on Thursdays and Mondays. So you have to be careful in terms of chasing every dollar to make sure that you don't chase a dollar that is returned in a negative format somewhere else because the public becomes more aware. The other issue that you have to deal with, the players. Players, like a lot of people, are saying they want to play for the country. And I commend them for that, and I'm not going to say that they don't have ulterior motives from this. But also there's something out there to look at, too. The more that these games become international, you're seeing a lot of players that understand that they're not going to get their financial money in regards to what the league is getting because they've capped that. But you can't cap the marketing outside of the game. And where is the biggest dollars going? Globally. So where do you get the global name and branding from when you play not only for your team, which mostly is consolidated in terms of the United States, but when you play in these Olympic FIBA type of games, you play on a global scale, which gets your name out there in such a way that you can be like Dwayne Wade and go get a contract with a shoe company out of China, which is pushing triple and a double and triple of what he was getting from a contract here with Nike. Because that media market is that much bigger when you look at those. So that's another framework when you talk about looking at everything in terms of just owners. Players are a lot more savvy too. The ownership that we just talked about last week and the framework with those lawyers, they're looking at things creative too. So I beg to differ in terms of this framework. Not that they won't push the envelope, but don't think that somebody's going to push back. And keep in mind... <clears throat> The benefits, you know, you talked about NBA doesn't get a cut of the international competition of their players. They're basically, the owners feel they're taking all the risk. The players aren't risking anything. You know, their contracts are guaranteed, et cetera, et cetera. But the NBA has benefited from the growth of the game globally. From 92, when the Dream Team, this information is a great article in the New York Times by Harvey Ayrton. Just some info here. 1992, NBA telecast reached 87 countries. 2014 NBA Finals telecast reached 215 countries. As Doc pointed out, the game is growing, growing globally. The number of foreign-born players in the NBA has more than quadrupled. International revenue is growing twice as fast as domestic revenue. Who do you think Mark Cuban has a a very prominent player on his squad who grew up wanting to play basketball based on the dream team. Dirk Nowitzki. Thank you very much. So he has benefited directly from USA basketball playing international competition. Absolutely. Brought him a championship. So, so cry about that. let's not get it twisted and say all these, you know, it's all about the money, it's all about my our cut. You're getting a cut. You've been getting a cut of Dr. Whiskey 
for 18 years. So he can say all those things, and it sounds good. And, and there were, it was interesting how fans and some owners and general managers were saying this is going to be a game changer, and, and this is going to change things, and players are going to think twice. Commissioner Adam Silver said, and, and Jerry Colangelo of USC Basketball said, every player who's currently now part of the soon-to-be final cut for the 12 for the World Basketball Championship in September, every player said, we're, we're playing. We're going to play for, for Paul George. We're not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. Gonna play for that. So, because it benefits the players globally, help their brand, as you touched on, it helps their game, as I touched on in my, my commentary, yeah, playing against better players. You get better p- playing against better players. As Kobe pointed out two years ago, David Stern and his quest to change the Olympics and make the Olympics 23 and under in basketball competition, and Kobe dumped all over that idea real quick. And one of Kobe's points was, Playing internationally, playing for USA basketball is great for the owners in this sense. They got great trainers, great medical staff. You know where they, you know where they are. You know who they're competing against. You know their schedule, the itinerary. Conversely, Kevin Durant goes to the Rucker. You out there by yourself? You know, he out there by himself. Takes one clown, as Kobe pointed out. To, to feel like his manhood is needs being to be threatened and try to prove, to a, prove point. a point to KD on Rucker Park and slams him against the, against the backboard, knocks him into the crowd. Some fool got a knife, you know. And people say, "Oh, you're exaggerating, KD." I'm not exaggerating. No, I've been about hey, it. I've been. To, yeah, you hadn't been to Rucker. You know, you know, I know what it's like this, playing I, the park, this, playing Fondy. I've seen people act ignorant, yeah. feel like they've been threatened by the prove a point. And, just, and just, I'm gonna say this, and link on a trip to California, Philadelphia, to the West Coast. Court. I was coaching at the time, and based my last words to this group, LA Strip. Now this was out on this. Is, this is one. No, of the I'm just coast. naming places Place where people play, play yeah, basketball but, outside, and you think uh, about park, yeah, the it's, urban it's setting one the, around. It's, sure, it's, it's one of the outdoor courts, and I'll make this quick. My last words were, don't get hurt, don't play with fools, and keep your mouth shut. You got a game tomorrow. Youngsters, they hear you when in one ear and out the other. Make a long story short, I lose a kid. Big man, 6'8". Ends up with pen and plate. And ankle. All because Jerry Curl decided, oh no, you ain't climbing on me. I'm gonna solve this right now. And here they come running back. Coach, coach, get the van. He broke his ankle. And I'm gonna tell you, I went on a rant and a rave. And at that time, wasn't no cell phones and no, no pages and all like you got now. So they couldn't make that phone call back. And when you travel with me, especially back in the day, and everybody knows this, that it traveled with me. When I said no phones in the room, no phones in the room. That means if you want to use a phone, you either got to come to my room or you got to go downstairs to the desk and call collect. 
I I think that was the maddest I've ever gotten with a group of kids. Maddest I've ever gotten on a trip because I told them what not to do, but they did it anyhow. That's when I found out about real kid mentality when they out in they in their own environment. They just do what kids do. Right. But like I told them, when I finally come down, players, real players, don't play with non-players. They don't even clown around with non-players because they know they're stupid. At some point, just like you said, somebody's going to want to prove their manhood. Right. And they don't want to be clowned on. Right. I just think you come from a framework. At some point, while it may sound good, you can't control everything. No. And it sounds like Mark Cuban is brilliant as he is in some compartment of what he does. I think he, he's... I understand it, but, but, where, but... Yeah, I definitely understand what he said. But I'm talking about from the framework, you can't always just control everything that you want. And so just because you want it doesn't mean that it's always in your best interest to have it. Because a lot of costs associated with doing that, taking over that lead. Oh, yeah. Uh, that I'm not sure that he's ready to deal with either because you have a lot of people in the United States. They're not always the most traveled individuals that want to spend a lot of time of what it would take to be international in terms of that. And the, and the idea of a 23 and under Olympic basketball competition, <clears throat> I think, as I was and I were talking about this off air, Doc, you tell me how many countries, international countries, do you believe youngsters, 23 and under, could go five deep with elite talent to compete against the USA? No, five plus one. Make it. No, what a, hell. Yeah, yeah, five Three, plus four, one. four, five, six. You tell me how five many countries. Five plus one. You, you get at least one sub. Yeah, that's a good question. So I say that to say only the competition countries. in the Olympics, I think, would be worse. Because the talent level is not, uh, I agree with you. it's not I the depth you there. Yeah. You know, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, you may have two here at countries, you know, a few. But for a 16, a 12, a 16 team field to compete, fans would get tired of that real quick. You know, one of the, and I hate to say this, but one of the best things that happened to USA basketball was losing. Right. Because it got, it re- reignited a spark and an interest in the game of basketball here in the United States because of the possibility that USA could lose. Right. And then it changed how USA basketball what England should have realized trained in the early and days competed. People, soccer, or football. Yeah. Any, any, oh, just quote from one last thing, man. You know, they still haven't, they, they still haven't come back from that. They didn't recognize it earlier. It seems clear, however, that this will be a topic at our next NBA competition committee meeting in September and a board of governors meeting in October. And, of course, we will continue to evaluate the pros and cons of participating in international tournaments. A couple of things. You got any anything? The ML, MLS All-Star game was today. Is that right, Doc? That is correct. Between the, uh, the German Bunda League. Oh, it has a oh, lot of the Germans oh, that won the, uh, the, yeah, the, the World the, the, Cup. Yeah. They're playing against the All-Star team. So, uh, fascinating game taking place. I would imagine so. I, I like that, that they did that. And to give voice to where soccer is again in the country, just come off the record-setting 
game that was played in so Michigan. True. So true. In regards to getting what was that, a hundred and five thousand? Hundred nine thousand at the big house. Almost a hundred and ten thousand at the big house. Between two international powers, Manchester United, boy, that's 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 big. That's, that's and we big. talking about in real football country, and that's a friendly. Okay, yeah. you know that's yeah. bragging rights. Basically, about it that was on the line for yeah. that. So I wonder if the leadership uh, is really doing a lot, and maybe they're going to find a way to open up uh, soccer in the U.S. versus. Uh, the NBA, MLB, and or the NFL moving out, which brings to the other NFL issue in regards to who's going to win the sale or the buying rights of Buffalo, and are they going to oh, stay man. in Buffalo or move to Toronto? That's going to be. Or are they going to try to do a hybrid again? So by the way, something to keep your eyes on in terms of the business side. By the way, uh, the the Bon Jovi's group has been asked. To resubmit a bid, a bid, uh, to, I guess, apparently that what they submitted wasn't comparable enough. And do you really see a second time around for Donald Trump being a owner? No, uh, Donald Trump talks too much for the NFL. Would he be, uh, the, the, cause to let him in, in my opinion, uh, and I'm not sure where he is financially. A lot of his money is tied up in liquidity, and and so I think the NFL is going to want some true assets. But I think there's some concerns they would have with him in terms of where he is. From if you're already in the body, it's different. You voicing your opinion on uh-huh. issues, uh, but for you to try to come in like that, I think I think they would take a safer bet. I think they like Bon Jovi because it gives them a. a a recognizable face. Right. Get somebody that they know financially has the wealth to do it. It gives a, a different minority group as they try to expand. Mm-hmm. They know it's somebody that has some interest in, if at the worst, splitting some games and playing some games in Toronto, if they don't totally move it. And those mm-hmm. are some issues that the NFL seriously wants to look at. And that's why I think they asked them to resubmit the bid. And I'm not sure if it's from a financial standpoint that they're asking for a bigger commitment. I think what they're talking about is showing uh, some financial latitude in terms of maybe providing more cash leverage in some areas uh, versus something else. Usually when they ask you to resubmit the bid, it's not necessary for to try to get you to increase it. It's more about you showing financially your portfolio. Right, okay. Dividing the percentages up differently from that standpoint. Because they said, uh, I think that's one, of the, like you mentioned, that's one of the questions, two of the questions that they've ha- had more so with the moving of the teams rather than the splitting of the games and all between Toronto and, and Buffalo. But right now, apparently the league actually wants to get that situation resolved. So they're trying to move things along and all in a process to where, uh, the less of the two evils. Team moving against, as you said, someone that wants to disrupt because they've already got uh, Jerry Jones as a uh, 
Don't go speaker. there. Don't go there. Don't go there. <laughs> As a speaker. Jerry in the news right now. <laughs> As a speaker. With, with pictures <laughs> and things. Don't go there. <laughs> Is it that bad? <laughs> Have you seen the pictures? Oh, I heard about them. You need to. I, somebody tweeted that. Yeah, yeah, tweet yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. I had looked at <laughs> Folks, and, it ain't And good. he posed for the picture, too. Yeah. He posed. It was like it was... Yeah. He didn't know it was there. He yeah. posed for this picture. He, recognized, about he, he recognized the camera was with up, the lady and he was like, boom. Okay, let's lady's do this. face at his crotch in the bathroom. So, yeah, he posed. Both of them, he and her posed for this picture. Real and quick. Folks, you just go to the, the go online, you just Google it up, it, 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 it'll bring it up. I want to correct myself. The 109,000 fans saw Real Madrid and, and my squad, man, you, I didn't get that wrong, man, you playing at the Big House of Michigan on Saturday. 109,318 fans to be exact were in attendance to see a friendly. Doc, real quick, you got to talk about HBCU's PV and TSU football practice. Yeah, big time. They're getting ready for the Labor Day Classic. That's going to go What's a long like? way. Um, I think both programs are going to be pretty solid. The problem with Texas Southern is the depth issue that you're going to see. Okay. I think uh, Texas Southern will be much better on the defensive side. That's a question we need to ask for Prairie View. I think they're going to be a lot more disciplined on the Texas on Prairie View side. <laughs> Offensively, it shouldn't be a problem. There is a question in terms of their depth, in terms of the running back, one of their starters, injury-wise. Um, but I think they'll have enough depth but to we, be able to but get... But we have been told certain things, but we won't go into specifics right. about his injury. Yes. Yeah, we won't we'll name the player. We'll, we'll, we'll let that announce. They, they want to pull that out until they release it. Right. So we're going to respect What's that. Blame? They, I don't blame They, they ask us <laughs> specifically, so we'll keep that. But do want the people to know that there's some concerns there at that side of the box. But I, I look for Prairie View to be um, in the forefront in terms of making a run this season. So I uh, have some other announcements possibly coming in terms of HBCU where uh, might have a, a, a longer platform to talk about it. But okay. okay. When that time comes, we'll let it out to the people. So I'm excited about that, trying to finalize the deal there. But I think um, that's a big issue. Some major concerns out here with Southern. In terms of the APR numbers oh. coming out, and they from are what I, ridiculously from, from, low. Yeah, that's that, that's what, what I'm hearing is some of the lowest ever reported. But until it comes out officially, uh, I, I won't report that because I okay. hate reporting right. negative news as it is. But I do want to give factual information. So until it is officially released, I do hear it is at the NCA site, so you can look for it yourself. Uh, but that that is devastating. In regards to that, you're starting to also hear for the football team or for um, the other all sports. Teams. Yeah, uh, that. all sports, all sports were uh, well below what any institution would want to say with APR. And I think, unfortunately, some of that has to do with the fact they probably got some zeros in there, flat out because oh. they couldn't find the information. Oh. So that's just going to take your number. That's so a horror. If this is the case, you're talking about a, a proud program, uh, marketing-wise, historical-wise. That it's probably going to take at least five years to recover from that. Oh. This is coming off a championship where they were maybe having a chance to rebuild it, but it gets worse. Um, you have now the second player from a SWAC school in basketball talking about transferring. Because you're on APR, players are allowed to tr- transfer and play right away. You had Godfrey at Southern saying that he was seeking his release, and then you have um, the player of the year from Gramlin, I think it was, a, a freshman. He's talking about leaving Grambling as well to look at his opportunity. So now mm. you start to see the second phase of APR hitting HBCU. You've seen it first from the negative 
uh, aspect media sources that were out there. Now you're seeing the response of players deciding that they want to take their talents elsewhere. And you're talking about some teams that were struggling to get the talent needed to be at the Division One level. Uh, you still have the issue at FAMU in regards to uh, the athletic director and the, the president. They actually had a town hall meeting. And so I thought that was interesting as they tried to build and, and basically talked about the issue that they cut golf and tennis, that they plan to bring it back. If they brought it back this year, it would be $220,000. To bring it back next year, is $330,000. So a lot of what their decision is based on the fact that the board said that they have a reduced number of students, which happen to deal with financial aid. Mm-hmm. You've seen that across the board yeah. with a lot of HBCUs. And the fact that uh, the issue that happened with their band is starting to uh, trickle and come back around, even though they brought the band right, back. Right. Because it just came back, the attendance numbers have dipped. And so when you look at the financial framework, uh, they want to cut one or two million dollars at least from the budget. So that's playing out in some of the decisions down there. But you have a lot of uh, upset alumni in a lot of ways, particularly how it was done. So they have to find a way to kind of right that ship to get the framework there. So that's kind of the tough news that's out there. Some of the good news is everybody's hitting camp. You have a lot of people excited for these huge classics. There's some big-time classics going to be played this year. I'll get a little more detail. We started some of it last week when you heard on the podcast, playing anywhere from New York City to Atlanta to Dallas, Houston, obviously, New and, Orleans, and, and your favorite Memphis. Uh, yeah, so it's a lot going on. So I'm going to be interested in keeping up and providing you the latest and greatest in terms of HBCUs. And remember, this is coming off the framework with three HBCU uh, formal players going into the NFL Hall of Famer, Hall of Fame, excuse me, for Michael Strahan, Denise Williams, as well as Claude Humphrey of Texas Southern, Southern, and Tennessee State, respectively. So it's a big weekend. What was interesting for me is the dichotomy in terms of the time frame of each of these players played. Claude Humphreys obviously came in from the uh, came in and playing during the sixties when he came out. It was still a segregated time. He was top three pick for Atlanta. Uh, he would have been a player that, in my opinion, at the day and the talent he had probably never would have landed at HBC. He would have went to an SEC team uh, in that framework, probably, uh, if anything, definitely to one of what they call now the Big Fives. But he spoke a lot about his time, the history he had, one of the legendary coaches at Tennessee State that he played under. He played at a time when Tennessee State went undefeated, gave up less than 60 points on defense, and so he was a stellar player. And then you had Aeneas Williams that tells you the framework of players and the talent. He actually walked on. Didn't walk on until his junior year, caught a fire, became All-American, and you see the rest of his history. And Michael Strahan became, you know, out of Germany, coming back, playing for one year in high school, basically. Uh, as we know pretty much the story now, the only scholarship he had, look where he landed. But it gives you a framework. Knocked on the doorsteps and said, here, take it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and look what he, look what they made out of him. Look what he made out of himself. Oh yeah, and he yeah. told that story. Interesting. And one of the biggest shout outs he gave was Eric Williams, Central State, another HBCU player, offensive guard that he spoke highly of. 
uh, along with John Runyon, obviously, in terms of the talent. So there's still a lot of talent out there, and you never know what that talent does when they get an opportunity to play at the ACC level. And that, that story this past weekend gives you a glimpse of that, whether it's the greatest of the great that played back, you know, and, oh, yeah. Yeah. Claude Humphrey, which is a changing, or Nate Williams, where you walk on, or somebody that only has one scholarship in terms of Michael Strahan, but you see what people can do in making the best out of their talent. And why would you close the avenue for giving people that opportunity uh, to yep. provide you uh, what many please is one of the glorious games that we have on uh, in America today. So that's the framework, guys. Kind of want to close with on a positive note for the HBCU. And let's get it on. All right. Two schools inside the Beltway, the Greater Belt, uh, Grand uh, Parkway Beltway, University of Houston and Rice. Every game at home and on the road will be TV broadcast. Now, four schools. Football. Football. University of Houston, Rice, HBU, Texas Southern. Opening weekend. Will they go two and two or three and one? U of H opens against UTSA. Rice is at Notre Dame. HBU opens with McMurray and Texas Southern. You tell me. I will be at practice on Friday morning at 6 o'clock. I will know by then. Next podcast, I will know. Exactly. Um, they are in transition only because they had a, a senior, uh, pretty much an upper-class squad on last season to open up. Um, it'll be interesting what uh, what group will stand out from day one. Uh, this year, and who would take the mound and pick up the baton and, and run with it? Texas Southern, as we know, they open up against Prairie View. Doc, what's been the word on the street about when I lose on that situation? In regards to who who will win and who who will go home with their tails dragging between their legs, or who will be sick? Yeah, I, I I didn't want to get in that pick. I'm gonna wait till we get a little closer. But I do have who I think is gonna have the edge, and I, I I'm probably gonna to lean towards Chris. But I'm gonna wait till we get a little more through camp. Make sure we look at the injuries, and I'll, I'll give you. Only reason I'm asking because on my way. Only reason I'm asking because we're on my way coming over here. No, they, I just they were, they were give it a little tease. I know, I know. They were they were walking over to the cafeteria, and it was a different set of talking all out of that group. I, I've never heard them this early in the season talking about you know. Di- you know, talking diagramming plays and all that. They walking towards. Oh, this, I told this, you, Texas Southern is going to be a much better. You know, it's program. That, that's year. different. It's and different. So, I, I was uh, just saying, just coach, like that, it's different. Coach Asbury has got this program moving to a different level, and I told you the issue that I have with them is depth. And once they come out of this last round of the APR and get everything pulled back, mm-hmm. look for Texas Southern to, to take the next step seriously. But I think it's a little too early to do that. I think I don't think people give credit. To the NCA, when they hit you with the no. scholarship limitation, it hurts. We see it at the top level at USC. They're just now trying to bounce back. And when I say USC, I'm yeah. talking about Southern, Southern Cal. Because Cooper's USC and, in terms of Southern Cal. And the reason he's mentioning that is because look at what has transpired at UCLA, that crosstown rival. Because of the fact that t- USC were in NC2A situation uh, troubles. With the Bruins. 
they've got a stabilization at quarterback. They've got they've got the team built them around. Yes, and they're heading in the right direction. They're definitely heading in the right direction. Yeah, they've, right. they've actually got football facilities on campus. Yes, legitimate That's this time around. We're close it out. Close out our podcast. Congratulating the 2014 Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame inductees who will be inducted on, I believe, Friday, August 8th. The inductees are Immaculata, or Immaculata, excuse me, Immaculata. Right. Immaculata, the, I'll make sure you're paying attention, sir. The, the Mighty Max. Max. Mighty Max, AIAW National Champions, Women's Basketball, Dynasty of the Early 70s. Yep. Alonzo Mourning. Good man. Nolan Richardson. Good man. Great Mitch, man. Mitch Richmond, The Rock. Gary Williams, NCAA coach in Maryland. And Lilo Ohio State as well. He worked hard. Bob Leonard from the ABA. Nat Clifton. Oh. Sweetwater. Yeah. Right? Yeah. From the early African-American Pioneers Committee. Sharunis Marshallonis, international player. Oh, he was something else. Guy Rogers from the Veterans Committee. And some some gentleman who had a small part in his success of the NBA in the last 30, 40 years. That long? Was it that long? David Stern. Was it that long? Was it that long? In. So congratulations What did he do all, to change the league? All of the inductees. Uh, I believe the uh, presentation ceremony will be on NBA TV. So look for that Friday evening. Gentlemen, once again, thank you for your time. Thank you for your knowledge. Thank you for your insight. Thank you for your opinion. Listeners, we are on iTunes. We are on SoundCloud.com. Thank you for the tweets and the retweets. Don't be shy to ask those questions via Twitter or on our Facebook page, KG Sipple Walkhead and Doc Facebook page. We'll be back next Wednesday. Get into football mode. You start talking about the Texans. The Texans will have played one preseason game by the time of our next podcast. That's what they say. So that'll be a Saturday. We'll talk about that a little bit. Preseason, first preseason game of NFL is just a a waste. You may, do, may see one series of players who be playing. It'll, on, it'll be interesting Sundays. who uh, who gets how many reps and all this weekend. So, that, that's know, as a quarterback. You are true diehards if you are l- looking forward to watching the entire first preseason game in the NFL. But anyhow, basketball season will soon be upon us. Once football season begins, I can look forward to a media day in October for the well, American. Oh, okay. I thought you were talking about the NBA. I did I'll be in October as well for the Rockets. So I'm looking forward to those great things. Right. Hooping is around the corner, and the three of us are making plans already to be in Tampa in April for Women's Final Four. <laughs> got my text, I Put guess. that already out there. And I got your message. So we'll look forward to that. As always, wrap up. In conclusion, be true, be cool, and do more.